You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, now available on the Umoja app. Uh, I'm your host, Irman Ramsey, and on this weekly talk show, we invite professionals and teenagers to take us through their journeys and give us advice. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists that you see on this show, you can always leave them on the Inspire app. Um, and as for our panelists today, you can reach out to him at um, on Instagram at Curious Society Films. Um, so before we start, uh, we wanted to mention a little bit about the Inspire platform, um, which is a question and answer platform for career advice in our Shia community. Um, and so that's the basic idea. So as a professional, you can ask for advice from other professionals. As a mentor, you can give advice to uh, to the community's future professionals and students who are younger than you. And of course, this is only for people within the Shia community, which is we think what makes it so great. And so it's available via the Moja app with an account on Android and iOS. Um, we are uh, grateful to be able to share stories of inspiring professionals, students, and community organizations only because of your generous support. So please consider supporting our show um, at umojaoutreach.org slash donate or through the Umoja app. And every little bit goes a long way in keeping the mic on. So thank we thank you for that. Okay, now let's get on to today's speaker. Um, today's speaker is Mateen Manik, who is a filmmaker and writer based in Toronto. Uh, he studied communications at York University, and he also holds a certificate in teaching ESL. Uh, so in his past, uh, of course, as you can guess, he's taught ESL. Um, he's written poetry, and he's made short films for YouTube. Um, and what he does now in, 2018, in 2019 uh, he founded the Curious Society, which is a video production company. Um, and his work uh, at the Curious Society is very story focused and intentional. So he's passionate about creating authentic and impactful films. Um, and we'll definitely talk a lot more about that. Uh, and outside of work, he loves movies, coffee and writing, uh, but mainly the coffee. <laughs> um, so let's bring on Brother Mateen. Matin, thank you so much for for taking your time out of your day and joining us. Walaikum salam. I feel like uh, like I was bigged up there, but thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. Um, so I know I kind of went through a little bit of your bio, but uh, it's always great to hear it straight from the source. So could you tell us a little bit more about your background? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think you covered it. Uh, I studied yeah. communications at uh, York. Um, for the longest time, uh, ever since I was like, I, ever since I could remember to about like, I guess, middle of uh, university, my dream was to be an actor. And mm -hmm. I didn't actually care about filmmaking until then. It was it was more like I just picked up a camera just so I could give myself opportunities to act. I see. Um, okay. And so through that, I think I, I got familiar with, you know, filmmaking and stuff and making short films and and all that. And um yeah, and then I rediscovered it in 2019, I believe, and just fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, that's okay. So you said initially you didn't like filmmaking at all. So why, what drew you to acting at first? Like, why did you initially prefer acting to filmmaking? I think I, I grew up watching movies. So, you know, you always mm. watch like these famous actors. I watched a lot of Bollywood movies. So, of course, my favorite was Shah Rukh Khan, which is <laughs> now that I think about it, slightly embarrassing of a fact. But, um, you know, because I always watch movies and TV shows, and that's essentially one of my favorite things to do as a kid. Um, I used to 
imitate scenes. I used to like reenact mm. sketches and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think just for me, that was always that's always been my dream was to just, you know, act out things because I, I okay. love doing it by myself. Yeah. OK, cool. Um, and I know you said you watched Bollywood films, so maybe you did see some actors who looked a little bit like you, but but not really, I guess, especially growing up in Canada. So mm -hmm. not seeing too many actors that looked like you. Could you talk about like, did that factor at all into your becoming jaded with acting? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think there's there's a lot that goes into it. I think I started mm -hmm. watching Bollywood movies, but like you realize the life that we live doesn't really resemble a Bollywood movie, right? Like it's, yeah. it's different there, of course, right? It's so then you watch all these, you know, Hollywood movies, you even watch like TV shows and all that. And those are kind of supposed to replicate our life. And so, you know, looking at that, I just remember as a kid, I remember having this thought like, you know, like, why wasn't I born white? Like I could have just, you know, I could have been like a leading actor and all that. <laughs> and and like, like, sure, I may have thought of it as a joke. But now I realize that like, yeah, like we're, we're surrounded by by media that doesn't really reflect who we are. And I think that kind of that was one aspect of how I became jaded with acting mm -hmm. in a sense where I, I kind of knew that, you know, no matter what, like no matter how far I want to dream or anything like that, there's always this obstacle that I felt would would come in the way in, in, in an obstacle that I can't control, which is that I don't look a certain part. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Even like, you know, we see scenes of like people drinking alcohol and things like that. Right. And that's a very common scene, you know, like partying and stuff like that. That's not something I'm I would be familiar with. Right. It's it's uh, it's it's weird. But like that is in one way supposed to represent our lives. Right. Because that's how we find relation through through art. Um, so I think that really kind of that always played an impact in terms of you know, the stories that I did want to tell. Um, and as well as just feeling like, you know, maybe this isn't a realistic dream. Hmm. Why do you think, I guess, it's important for our media to correctly portray us as in our lives? I mean, I don't know. This if is a question that just... Yeah. <laughs> we didn't no, no, it's, it's a really yeah. good question. I don't think it's the media's job to to represent our lives the media's job to do whatever they want but yeah, i think it's yeah. important that we see representation because at the end of the day we're all especially when we're younger we're going through things that like might feel like we only experience it and you know seeing that seeing that like you know like there are people like us out there who are dealing with similar issues there are people out there who understand our background um you know like seeing that there kind of validates our experience in a way like mm -hmm. i remember there was this uh book i think it's called a place for us i haven't finished it i think it came out recently mm -hmm. and it captured like the the sh I, from the pages that i read it captured the shia experience really well where you know you're you're reading it and you're like yeah i've been in a similar situation to that i've i've you know had to go to a wedding and and see people I, I may not have got along with. Once again, I haven't read the book fully. I didn't really make it that far and I had to return to the library, sadly. But <laughs> um, but like that's the thing is like when you see situations that you've been in on a, a bigger, uh, I guess, a bigger screen, it, it makes yeah. you feel like, hey, like I belong to this. Like this is my community and I feel 
you know, like my experiences and everything like that is validated. That's an interesting point. And I want to talk about your personal background, but I also kind of want to mm -hmm. press more on this, what we're talking about now. So maybe could you tell us, how do you think that like you're contributing to that representation by doing filmmaking instead of acting? Because I mean, that was an intentional choice on your part to pursue, eventually to pursue filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know if I would say it was something I did instead of acting. I think always with okay. acting, the goal was to also then create my own productions for this. But I think I realized mm -hmm. when I started filmmaking that, you know, in a way I have a, I have, I don't want to say a superpower because obviously it's not a superpower, <laughs> but I, I have a set of skills uh, <laughs> which can be used for something bigger than what I'm using it for. Right. Like mm. filmmaking is my job. So, you know, I use it, um to essentially you know pay the bills and things like that but i realized and not initially that you know this skill can be used for other things and for things that can help other people um and i realized that there is a real gap in terms of the stories that are coming out and us not being in there right mm -hmm. and it's crazy to think that like yeah we're in 2023 but this stuff is still happening there are still films out there that are portraying Muslims in general in an incredibly negative light or, you know, the topics that when they talk about Muslims is always about a specific thing, right? Um, I don't think I need to mention it for everyone to understand what I'm talking about, but I think instead of being like, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, like we don't appreciate this and all that, that can only do so much. Like I agree we mm -hmm. have to, you know, put our voices out there, but I think we are also responsible for creating our own content for you know being like hey this is us we're gonna put it on a screen and we invite you to come watch it yeah that's a good point and i i mean i felt that really strongly with your recent film that, that you showed me um i don't know if you want to actually talk a little bit about, about that like what was behind that and i guess how it relates to what you do in in general in a broader sense sure uh this, this was her royal science right Yes, I believe. Yes. yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. so Her Royal Science is a film about a neuroscientist, uh, a Muslim neuroscientist. She uh, mm -hmm. wears a hijab. And she decided to start a podcast called Her Royal Science, which is what the film's named after, which is to give a voice to minoritized voices in STEM. So she, you know, brings them on, uh, allows them to tell their story. And it's a very casual conversation. And for those of us who are considering STEM, it's definitely a really good podcast to listen to because, once again, as uh, you know, as as a minority, our experiences are very different from other people. But like when you listen to that, you're like, yeah, I could feel like I've been in a situation similar to that, or yeah, like I could see that happening in my future, and now I kind of know what I could do about it. Right. So I remember when we when she first told me her story, I was super excited. I was like, this mm -hmm. is a story I 100% want to tell. Um, and what really, I think what really got me excited was this whole idea of community, because at the end of the day, we all need community. We're all like humans are very social, uh, creatures. Right. And this fact that, you know, she essentially built a community out of a podcast, um, was such an interesting thing for me. And I was like, hey, you know, this is something I want to explore. And, and the fact that, you know, her story itself was very interesting, Hmm. And so that's essentially the film is just how 
um, you know, and the incident in New Zealand, uh, you know, the the shooting that happened in Christchurch yes. at the mosque, and mm-hmm. it kind of created these moments where she realized that you know people don't understand her experience, especially in her immediate circle, and they won't understand how she felt in that situation, and and the way to to work around that is to tell her story, right, and allow people to tell their story. And I think it's it's really powerful that her like her catalyst to action was the events in Christchurch and when watching the film I kind of felt what I felt when when that happened as well so I guess that's what you're talking about in terms of like shared mm-hmm. experiences that 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 we should highlight more often um yeah because we're all familiar with it right we're all familiar yeah. with how we feel during these like even with the uh the attack in uh in London Ontario with the family mm-hmm. I believe yeah. that's the one um, I remember feeling kind of nervous after that. Like mm-hmm. I remember we were going out for a walk and that was in the back of my mind. Yeah. It wasn't maybe, you know, something immediate, but it was there and other people may not have felt that because, you know, they wouldn't have been in that situation, but you know, I'm sure if I asked another person who was Muslim, like, how did you feel after this? They, they might've had the same experience. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, let's, uh, go a little bit further back um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> because I think we, we went super forward into what we're doing now, but we'll definitely come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so after high school, you were still uncertain, right? In terms of whether you wanted to go into acting or filmmaking or what you wanted to do. Is that so? I would say I was quite certain that I wanted to do acting, which is why okay. I applied to all like theater programs right out, mm. outside of high school. Um. But I ended up doing an undecided major because uh, I couldn't get into those theater programs. But that Mm. was for the purpose of applying again later because I I knew that was what I wanted to do. And then how come so how come then you studied communications in the end? So I think it was because once again, you know, like theater programs, they don't accept a lot of people. Like It's a fraction of the people who apply. Mm -hmm. And I think I realized that I wasn't going to get in again. And I needed to pick a major because with my Mm. university, you can only be undecided for, I believe, one year. And then you have to choose something. So I remember I was talking with my friend and he said, you know, like, you you know, there's this program at a different university that's called Media Studies. And it's something that I know you would like because you love making like videos, you Mm. love acting and all that. And that's pretty much everything that's in this major. And I was like, cool, that's pretty, that sounds pretty good. Uh, I don't want to go to that university because it was really <laughs> far. Okay. <laughs> Not that I have yeah. anything against that university. It was just, I just didn't want to live on campus. Like I was living at home. Hmm. Um, so I looked up for a similar program at my uh, university and I found communications. But okay. it, once again, it was, I took a lot of acting classes at that time. Um, oh, I see. Well. Yeah, on the side. Okay. So it was kind of like, Oh, so so it was kind of like communications, but with an acting sort of focus or with a lot of uh, Yeah, I would say it's like I was trying to aim for a minor in acting, but never actually okay. did it. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. And so maybe for people who don't really know what uh, like the field of communications entails, what kind of skills did you develop when you studied communications? I think the thing I love about communications is that like, it makes you think very critically about everything, mm-hmm. especially the media, right? We're, we're in a period of our lives where people are constantly talking about mainstream media, what they're representing, what they're not representing. Right. And 
communications allows you to to think about that to also question it because you know they're not perfect and to also think of like you know maybe why certain decisions are being made what factors into that but also critically think about even like not just the news but rather what tv shows we consume and how that has an effect on us right um there there's this concept that i love in communications called encoding and decoding so it's when i send a message to somebody like literally mm. i could just say something <laughs> i'm saying it in a certain way hoping that it lands to that person in the exact same way but that's not guaranteed mm. right like i could mm. say something to you and you can interpret it entirely differently from mm-hmm. how i'm saying it and that same thing goes with tv movies everything right there's a certain message that they're trying to communicate and we can either interpret it exactly how they do completely different or um mixed really so i think that was the biggest skill that i learned um was critical thinking and yeah i mean also like i think that's helpful for any communications field where if you're going into journalism or um you know uh uh, like communications like uh like in a more uh not in in front of the camera situation mm-hmm. or even filmmaking mm-hmm. or anything like that. It forces you to constantly think about the messaging and the audience and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. So, and then <laughs> what did you do after you graduated from your communications program? So when I wanted, when I like towards the end, I think the, the field I was kind of leaning towards was journalism. I was really passionate about journalism mm-hmm. Okay. And then politics, but then I started to kind of not want to do politics anymore. <laughs> um, so I started doing just freelance writing. Um, I there was this mobile app company that needed writers to write stories, mm-hmm. so I contributed. And uh, but I I think I was struggling to find what I wanted to do. Um, I wasn't really sure what my path was, so I think someone suggested teaching ESL. Um, and you know, I'm passionate about language and stuff like that. Um, and it just seemed to work. So I applied, uh, went to school and got a job with it. What is teaching ESL like, like what kind of skills did you use from your communications program? What kind of skills did you bring from elsewhere in your life? Teaching ESL is, uh, it's very interesting because it's a lot of, because at the end of the day, you're teaching someone to communicate in English. So yeah. As much as you have the theory of it, you also have the practical application, right? Like, you, like depending on your student, you might also want to teach them how to order coffee from Tim Hortons or, well, because you're in America, Dunkin' Donuts? I <laughs> Dunkin don't really Donuts. know. Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you want to teach them functional things. So, a lot of the skills that I used were things like role-playing, um, mm. games, and stuff like that. And I think that's why I loved it, because I brought a lot of the skills I learned from my acting classes, and as well as my communication classes in terms of trying to kind of, um, like, you know, see things from a, a media perspective, right? Because we all do not speak 100% grammatically correct, right? <laughs> we don't. No, and it's it's don't. true. So why like I was always taught like we shouldn't teach the students that way like we should Mm. show them what the grammar is but teach them that like people don't follow those rules right like yeah people aren't aware of that when they speak normally when you hear them in movies there's a very different language there uh which is you know hybrid and all that so I think that's where communications came in 
you know, being cognizant of what people are saying, what the slang is, uh, the colloquial terms and, and, and things like that. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to know English to just know it. You want to be able to use it to be able to travel and things like that. And that was a lot of the goals of our students. Right. Hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. That's actually something we, we didn't talk about before. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah. cool that you share that. <laughs> um, and so why are you not still <laughs> teaching ESL? Um, like what, what, what prompted you to move on from that? I mean, I, I love teaching. I think I just, mm-hmm. I, I wanted something different. I felt like okay. I was doing something that was very similar day to day. And I felt like I was not really growing as a person. I think one important thing about choosing a job is to find a job that challenges you to become better, uh, that makes you grow, that grows on this, that makes you grow in the skills that you want to grow in. Right. Mm. And I felt like I wasn't being creative. I wasn't being, um, you know, the, the, I wasn't doing really what I wanted to do. So I knew I had to move on. Um, and also the, the job, the teaching is a very demanding job. It takes a lot out of you. So like kudos to every mm-hmm. teacher who does it because it's, it's a lot of work behind the scenes mm-hmm. and everything. And I just knew that I wanted to do something different. And what I guess made you take the jump? Because there's a lot of things you could have done different that were not starting your own company because starting mm-hmm. your own company is quite risky. So what I guess prompted you to, to go and actually do that? Well, okay, so not a lot of people know this story because I just revealed it like a few weeks ago. But the Curious Society was never supposed to be video production. Oh, or if great. it was, it was supposed to be a very small like part of it, right? Mm. Um, the way video production happened was I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. I was considering a master's in writing. I was considering or a master's in communications. I was considering maybe doing a different job, but I wasn't really sure. And then I was also considering doing like creative writing classes like online and that's where the curious society would have come in yeah um somewhere around that time i discovered a youtuber named matt diavella who made Mm -hmm. a video called zen in the art of making coffee and you know i'm obsessed with coffee i've been (laughs) sipping from my cup this entire (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so i i kept seeing this video like on my suggested list and i was like what is this why does youtube keep suggesting it and i watched it and i was blown away i was I was inspired. Like, I think I remember watching that video and being like, I want to make this. This is what I want to do. So considering that I already had made YouTube videos and stuff like that, I was a little bit familiar. So I pulled out my Mm -hmm. camera and I started making YouTube videos and somehow consistently making YouTube videos and sharing it on my Facebook page. People saw it and they were like, hey, Mateen, you know, like I'm a photographer and I need a second shooter. Would you like to join me? Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure. And then, um, you know, one thing led to another where I was doing a lot of work um, for different people, including uh, there was like a politician in my area who I was making yes. videos for, mm-hmm. which once again, that was a fluke because I remember my friend pushed me to volunteer for her and she asked me <laughs> what my special skill was. And I was like, I don't know what my special skill was, I guess, video <laughs> making. And it came to a point where I was basically coming home from work. And then editing for six, seven hours straight and then kind of being like, then going to sleep and then waking back up at 6 a.m. And I was like, something's got to go, right? It's either Mm. I got to stop doing the videos or I got to um, quit my job. And luckily, Mm. I have a very supportive wife, Salwa, who said, you know what? Try it for six months. Try this video thing. See how it goes. Worst case, you can always go back. What's the harm, right? 
And so I did. I, I yeah. quit my job. And I was like, let's go into this full time. And man, I've I've got to say, I don't know if it's skills or anything. I think it's more blessings than <laughs> anything like that. But I've been very fortunate. <laughs> it's definitely skills, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't know about that. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, there's a few more things. We're unfortunately sure. running ten on time, but uh, let's oh. talk... I know, right? It goes so quickly. Let's talk about, um, you were saying you were coming home from work, editing for seven hours, going to sleep, going back to work. So can you talk about why you think that like prioritizing balance is is, is very important? Yeah, I think it's because, you know, like your work isn't your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, life is made up of different components, like relationships and everything like that. Um, and I see a lot of people who like prioritize work who are like, oh, I'm going to make six, seven figures um, throughout my life. And I'm wondering, like, what's the end goal? Because the way we should be looking at it is that we want to do something and um, we need to we need to do something to get it right. A lot of people think mm-hmm. like I'm going to make tons of money so that I can travel or I can have flexible hours and all that. But when you really think about what you want you can really like realize that you don't need, you know, a million dollars to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because I read this book called a uh, four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which I realized that, you know, life is, is, is about doing what you want to do now. Right. Because life isn't guaranteed. Right. Um, there's no guarantee that at 65, I'm going to be as mobile mm-hmm. as I am now, mm-hmm. or even that I might still be here, right? So why would I defer my happiness to a later time? That's my logic yeah. behind it. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, to, so like today, like kind of now that you have your own company, what does your day-to-day look like and how do you build in that balance? So even though I'm a freelance, one thing that yeah. I made sure is that I work nine to five during the weekdays. So I try to limit as much as possible working in the evening. Sometimes I do, Mm -hmm. but I'll make Mm -hmm. up that time later on. And I think having strict deadlines, especially the pandemic has forced us to work at home, right? And I've noticed that people will work through their lunch or they'll be like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I have an extra hour that I used to commute through. I'm going to work through that instead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so now you're just working longer, but you're doing it at home. So I think what's important is setting certain boundaries, whether they're physical, whether they're time related, like all my work is done on my computer. But as soon as I leave this area and go to another area in my apartment, it's done. I don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And having those spaces and everything where it's, it's separate really helps. So I guess to answer my day to day, like I'll wake up in the morning, in the morning, I like to take it a little bit easy. I don't want to jump into my work immediately. So I'll either go through my phone, read or something like that. And then um, once I'm ready, I'll start a little bit of work answering emails. Hmm. Then luckily, my wife also works from home. So we'll take a break, eat breakfast together, which is really nice. And then I'll come back and I'll start doing the the, the editing and everything. The things that take time because um, I don't like to. I'm the kind of person who if I start working on something, I can go for three hours straight. As long as I don't have distractions. But if I have right. distractions, I won't get any work done. So um, that's pretty much my day. I mean, filmmaking, I would say, is like 15% of my life. Like actually going out and shooting. It's mostly editing. Say, yeah, it's mostly editing, planning, hmm. 
mm-hmm. communicating with people. I think that's the that's pretty much it. Okay, cool, nice. Um, all right, we are unfortunately almost out of time, but I want to ask you for your final piece of advice. So, what is uh, the one thing that you want listeners to take away from from this show about anything? Oh man, I, I feel like I had a good one before, but <laughs> um, I guess it's just you know to. I guess prioritize yourself and your happiness because no one else will, right? I think I learned something really early on, which is when you say yes to someone, you're saying no to something else, whether that's time for yourself, time with your uh, partner or time with your family. Everything has an opportunity cost and you have to value what's essential in life, right? Like what really matters to you? And I think knowing that... um, is really important because then it it shapes your decisions, right? Do you want to spend that extra two hours on your weekend working or do you want to be doing something else that's more important to you? And I think understanding that is important. And that's kind of what's also helped me realize this is what I want to do in life. This is what I want to create. These are the projects I want to prioritize. And these are the projects I'm unfortunately going to say no to because they don't align with what I want to do. So I think realize what's important to you and prioritize that. Okay, great. I think that was great. Awesome. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Mateen, um, for sharing all your advice and your story. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm sure, you know, the audience will as well. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. And if, you know, I know filmmaking is a tough uh, field. So if anyone has any mm. questions, they're more than ha- welcome to just DM me. Like, I don't mind answering it all. Okay, and where can they, so where can they reach out to you? Uh, so I guess the best place is Instagram, at the Cur- mm-hmm. at Curious Society Films. I don't even know my own, like, handle. Um, <laughs> or my email, I guess, which is, actually, okay. no, the, Instagram is the best place. So yeah, you Instagram. can send me a DM or whatever. I totally don't mind talking. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, best of luck. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and thank you, everyone, for tuning into the You Mentor Talk Show. Um, you can tune in next week uh, for another interview. And remember, uh, you can always catch our previous episodes uh, everywhere. <laughs> YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, our website, pretty much everywhere. Umoja Outreach Foundation, uniting and empowering the Shia community.